And we're recording. Yay! Hi, everybody. Say hi, Carrie. Hi, everyone. So, hi, everybody. This is the very first ever See Sporty, Be Sporty podcast, and it has taken a coronavirus lockdown to get it to happen. We've been talking about it for a while, but here we are. So, welcome. My name is Natalie Jackson. For those of you who don't know me, I am a director of the social enterprise company Totally Runnable and one of the co-founders of the See Sporty, Be Sporty campaign. Um, so we're working with schools to help them measure their gender sport gap and help to close that. And part of that is our non-profit side in terms of their um, See Sporty, Be Sporty campaign, which looks at campaigning for closing the gender gap in general so particularly in the media or in portrayal of sport and in particular role models so we have a campaign on at the moment that is a kickstarter campaign that if we get it completely funded um, we will be able to put 2500 photos of girls doing sport into primary schools to hopefully inspire other girls and boys to do the same so um, i am delighted to be joined by researcher author journalist and awesome human being carrie dunn so hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. It is exciting. Hopefully we will say lots of fun things and people will get um, get into the debate with us a little bit. So um, Carrie, um, what we really need to mention before we start is you have some awesome books that people can go and buy right now, even in the lockdown. Do you not? I do. Um, go to your local independent bookshop website. You can order it from them. They really need your support right now. Um, so the most recent one is called The Pride of the Lionesses. Um, that was out last year and it features Nat. And, and then the one before that came out in 2016 and that's called The Roar of the Lionesses. And both of them are about women's football in England. It's kind of a little snapshot of a season uh, in the life of various clubs up and down the women's football pyramid. And they're both brilliant. Definitely buy them and read them. If you have less to do than me with a toddler in lockdown, you will have lots of time for reading, I'm sure. So that can definitely, both of those should definitely be on your reading list. So um, thank you for being with us, I guess, first of all. How is lockdown for you? Um, I'm getting a little bit bored now, I will confess. Not that I go very many places, to be honest. I don't go out much anyway. <laughs> But I like the idea that I could go out if I wanted to. There's nice to have the option. Exactly. There's a lack of spontaneity in my life at the moment. Um, so, yeah, but I'm okay. We are well and healthy, and that is the important thing. But, you know, I'm a sports writer. There's not a great deal of sport to write about. So that's a little bit, a little bit nerve-wracking, I guess, in terms of the future. But, um, yes, health is the most important thing. Healthy, safe, focusing on that. How about you? Definitely. Much the same, I think. Um, less bored in that there is a toddler and a miniature schnauzer dog running about at home. So lots going on, but tricky to squeeze work around that. I think the people working for the NHS and I have friends whose lives are completely chaotic at the moment because they are working so hard and, and can't see the the four walls of their own home and some of us are just completely stuck in so it's a really strange time isn't it and I think nobody's winning at the moment and we're all dealing with small or, or big changes so yeah a bit of a bit of a strange old world but um I think without um without knowing what's coming it's tricky it's tricky isn't it it's uh, it's the lack of knowing and I'm 
I think it would be fair to say I'm a people person. Yeah, I think <laughs> and so. I have a limited number of people. <laughs> so my poor husband and my daughter see an awful lot of me and everything else is online. So yeah, I will be, I'll be much happier, obviously, when life gets back to normal and I can have more people in my life. <laughs> well, but that's why it's so lovely to see you. Yeah, but I saw your colleagues talking on um, the Twitters about your uh, your Zoom directors chats. I think uh, oh, Jenny Meadows is getting slightly puzzled by by your insistence on them. Yes, it, well, it's all fun and games, isn't it? When you have any sort of um, any sort of online chat with uh, toddlers. So I've got Lexi and Virgil running about. We've got other children, husbands running about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So that all being said, um, I guess in terms of what we're dealing with at the moment, we're thinking about role models. We're thinking about how important it is to have role models both in and out of sport, but particularly in sport. Mm. Who would you say were your role models of growing up or, or up till now, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's such a difficult one to narrow down because there are so many people who have inspired me on lots of different levels. But I guess journalistically, there are a couple of real trailblazers. And I know I've told you this story before, but um, Julie Welsh was the first real Fleet Street sports journalist who was a woman. And so I was always kind of very aware of her work and her bylines growing up. And it has been incredible to me that as a grown up now in the same line of work um, that she is, I actually know her. She actually wrote kind of an endorsement from the cover of my new book. She came to my book launch. It was just incredible that she did that for me, but also that I've been able to tell her what an inspiration she has been to me and a generation of other female sports journalists. Yeah, and that, I mean, I guess when she's, when you're meeting her and she's a real life person, she's not just sort of a figure that you can look up to, but she's, she's literally done what you, what you would love to do and what you are now doing. So it makes a real difference connecting, I guess, with that. Absolutely. Um, just kind of, you know, I've got a picture of me with her at my book launch because she asked me to sign my book for her. And I'm like, well, of course I'll sign it for you. Will you have a picture taken with me? And she's like, where would you want a picture taken with me? I'm like, because you're Julie Welsh. Um, <laughs> you've done everything that I would have wanted to do when I was a kid. And you made me know that it's possible. And so, yes, to have that kind of tangible connection with someone after kind of what, 20, 25 years of being aware of their work is just, yeah, it's just been amazing. And it's seeing it in real life. It's, you've seen it and you can be it. It's, it does make it real, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of one of those little kind of truisms, isn't it? If you can see it, you can be it. And that is absolutely true. I know it's kind of a little bit twee maybe, but you know, like all truisms, it is absolutely true. It, it, um, there is scratching at the door. Hang on. One is, that your, is that your daughter or your dog? Could be either. Hello, Fergal. <laughs> Hello, Fergal. Hi. He came to say hi. Yeah, I completely. I've lost my lost my notes now. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that exactly. It is. It's. It's sort of a classic phrase, isn't it? If you can't see it, you can't be it. But we chose that for our role models campaign for that exact reason. You know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. See sporty, be sporty. That's what that campaign is all about. You know, it's. It's not enough to, to just say, of course, you can do it. You need to be able to believe that somebody like you could do it. And um, yeah, that's why role models are just so important, aren't they? Absolutely. And of course, there are always going to be trailblazers who do 
do things for the first time. So that's not to say that just because someone isn't doing exactly what you want to do, you can't ever do it. It's just that it makes it a hell of a lot easier if you know that someone has already started to break down those barriers for you and then you can break down even more for the next generation. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then you become the role model for someone else, exactly. So, newspapers. I've had a mm. You will remember our C Sporty B Sporty campaign started in 2018 and it was around photographs of sport in the newspapers so the headline of that was that we looked for a year we had one day a month for a year we looked at pictures of sport in the newspaper and we had something like 3107 photographs of people playing sport across the nine national newspapers when we looked at one day a month for a year and out of those 3107 we found 2.9 percent of the pictures showed a woman playing sport, which I think at the time we were, I guess not surprised that there were more pictures of men than women playing sport, but we were shocked at how small an amount there really were. I think we expected to find more. And I think most people that we've spoken to since about those statistics have expected to see more, but we were looking, we were, we were taking sort of the most scientific approach to it. We literally just picked we used the same day in the week every month. We weren't looking particularly around sort of, you know, there was Wimbledon, there were world championships of a lot of sports. There were, you know, there was a lot of sport going on, mm. but we just weren't seeing it. So I wondered whether during the coronavirus crisis, whether the picture would have changed in terms of pictures of sports. So yesterday we were a month in, it was the 23rd of, of March that they announced the lockdown and yesterday was the 23rd of April. So I went out yesterday and bought the nine national newspapers and had another look. So um, I guess before, before I reveal what I found, what do you think I would have found in terms of, of photos of sport, newspaper stories at the moment? I mean, I can't say that I'm expecting great things from this. And I'll tell you for why, apart from the fact that my own work is dropping off <laughs> hugely over the past kind of five weeks um i've also noticed that a lot of freelancers who would cover women's sport are also not getting a great deal of work now what tends to happen in my experience is that it's been staffers so people who actually work on the staff of newspapers who kind of do the big events so they'll kind of do the top of the premier league they'll do kind of the men's world cup that kind of thing and it's been freelancers historically who have been kind of uh, just sent out to do you know, the women's sporting events, the ones that aren't necessarily so important or high profile. So I'm guessing there's not going to be very much women's sport in those newspapers, if anything. But please tell me I'm wrong. Well, there's good news and bad news, I think it's fair to say. And I'm generally quite positive, so that may be a positive okay, thing. Okay, good. But I will give you some actual real life, literally hot off the press stats. So I had a total of, the, the real picture across all of the newspapers was that there weren't many photos of anybody playing sport at the moment. No, it's not much Probably sport. To be expected. But there was still a fair amount of somebody playing sport, and obviously they're not being taken at the moment, but there were 96 photos of men playing sport across the nine newspapers. I should say that this is not including a supplement that I will get to in a minute. Okay. So there was one supplement in one paper that I haven't included in these stats. Um, but we'll, we'll see for why in a minute. Uh, so 96 photos of men as opposed to six of women. So over the broad spectrum, it hasn't massively improved, I would say. 6.25% that works out to. So it's better than 2.9%. 
Um, it is better than 2.9%, yes. Still not great though, is it? It's not, and I think that, that disappointed me in the sense that there's no sport going on. So to write about the fact that there's no sport going on, I would have hoped that we would have more stories about the stories behind the sport and there's equal numbers of stories about the women's sport and maybe even more yeah. that haven't been told yet. I mean, not maybe, definitely more that haven't been told yet. So yeah, there was, there was that angle on it. Once I started looking into it a bit more, I started looking not just at photos, but at the new stories that were in there because I thought that might be interesting as well. And we had a couple of fairly high profile stories yesterday, which again, we'll come to in a second. But in particular, what I looked at with stories, I didn't find a much better picture. So out of, um, there was 196 men's stories and 11 about women's. So it's not, not good. It's exactly the same, isn't it? Yeah. Not good. So what, what we found, what I found in terms of looking at the papers were, it was all the same sort of stories. It was, there were two big stories that dominated the anything mentioning women's sport yesterday. We had the, um, Federer had suggested that men's and women's tennis be joined together. So there was a story about that, although arguably that's not about women's sport. It's about sort of both, I guess. Um, and in particular, we had the Phil Neville story with the England job, England manager job. So those two were basically all of the stories. Um, those 11 stories were spread across the, the right. nine papers and some of them had two stories in and whether it was about. So there were those. Um, other than that, there wasn't a massive amount. I wrote down what the pictures were. So out of those six pictures of women, one was Judy Murray coaching. Right. I mean, should that even count as a woman playing sport? But she had a tennis racket and a tennis ball. Um, she is a coach, so yes. Yeah, I think I think I counted it, but I mean, and she was a player, so okay, like fine. Um, one was Becky James, um, the cyclist, winning the Kieran World Championship, um, which was awesome. It was a lovely picture, brilliant, looked really cool. Um, but the actual story was about the fact that she's having a baby, and the story was actually about. <laughs> her husband right. and his, okay. <laughs> his reaction to having the baby and it was a, a great story about a guy who's about to become a dad it was lovely but this, it wasn't about her being it wasn't one. about her right okay um, and then three of the photos were of phil neville speaking to an england player so they weren't again they weren't really pictures of the england player they were what, in action yeah so i think when we look at them not not an awful lot has changed i guess in what we've seen um but the amazing, brilliant, awesome news and the serendipitous fact was that out of all the days I could have picked, I just picked 30 days, I managed to pick the day when the Telegraph Women's Sport Monthly Supplement came out. And that was just absolute music to my ears. Having read through the sports sections of nine national newspapers and including the, the Telegraph obviously has its own sports section, but then it has the supplement in addition to that. So those stats were including a couple of stories that they had in their normal normal sports section but the um supplement had just by itself more photos than the other eight mm. newspapers combined and more stories they had 13 stories and they were good stories it felt like i was finally getting the news that i should have been getting about women's sport going on or not going on or the the stories behind the lack of sport yeah um how I guess how important is it that we get things like the Telegraph's Women's Sport Monthly Supplement to tell us what's going on in women's sport? 
well, I think at the moment, obviously, it is telling a lot of very important stories because we're not getting these anywhere else. My concern, I guess, and this isn't a, this is, isn't a problem with the Telegraph and it isn't a problem with the Women's Sports Supplement, which I think is excellent. They're doing fantastic journalism. I guess I don't like women's sport being its own separate thing. Yes. Why, why isn't it in the sports section? I mean, yeah. Nat, you probably don't even remember you said it, but you said the normal sports section. I know oh, you meant the normal, oh. no, but you meant the normal section for sport. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the kind of thing. This is how you start to conceptualize it. You have the normal sports section, yeah, the normal sport, and then the, the normal sport, and then the women's sports sports section is the one that pulls out at the end of the month. So you can skip over that if you like. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Have, that's optional. The yeah, real I've got sport, to read it. The, the real sport. sport is there, but yeah, I I would like it to be possible for women's sport to be in that sports section yeah. for everyone's sport to be covered by a sports desk rather than having to have a separate supplement with a special team that covers women's sport. Unfortunately, we are not at that point. So this is what we've got, and as I said, Telegraph are doing amazing work. But and showing yes. showing exactly what brilliant stories they can, and which obviously exactly. makes sense. of course they could come up with brilliant stories because they're all stories about people. And they actually, they, when you look at the spectrum of everything I read yesterday, they were the by a million miles the much the better stories that were going on. What you know, what a, a footballer or a football manager was doing during their lockdown is mildly interesting, but what somebody's really thought through and thought, you know what, what will people find interesting? And a two-page spread of Rada Hegerberg talking about resilience and how she's built that mm. up and how um, her journey through World Cups and through being sort of super high profile, but having criticism and, you know, that that is what I want to hear about. Um, and, and yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I think it is. And I, I think it's important to spot, even even doing what I do, I'll still say the normal sports section. Do you know what I mean? It's important to spot that and correct it. And we've all been brainwashed by this because we've read the, the eight newspapers that just tell us exactly what they, I guess, are, are pretending is all of sport. But it's not. Mm. It's really no. not. It's, re it's really not. And I think, yeah, you're right to point out that, um, yeah, the Telegraph's Women's Sports Supplement is getting more interesting stories. And... I don't know whether they would, you know, some, some people might argue that, you know, they're interesting to women or something like that. But I don't well, think that's true that at all. They're, they're real that human interest ones. Yeah, and, but I completely agree. And I think, um, and I've had it said to me before, is this, is this something that, oh, well, if women want to hear more about women's sport, they need to blah, blah, blah. Well, why wouldn't everybody want to hear more about women's sport? Do you, do you get that? Do people say that to you? Do they say it's sort of something women should be interested in? Yeah, I think there is a, I mean, I think that's quite a common idea in various spheres, actually. You get, um, you know, quite often at primary school level, you get uh, people saying, boys won't read books with a female lead character, but girls will read books with a female or a male lead character. Well, why? Why are you telling little boys that they shouldn't be, why are you trying to continue this stereotype, this kind of myth that boys won't be interested in girl characters? I don't know. I think it's, it is a commonly held idea that men aren't interested in women's things. And if women want to read about women, then they need to be supporting just women's sport and not watching men's sport. And it's a whole mishmash. Sport is sport. Books are books. Life is life. People are people. Yes, that right there. All of that. Completely agreed. So before we finish, I need to ask you about your opinion, since we have one of the foremost writers about English women's football right in front of us, virtually. Um, Phil Neville, talk to me. Tell me your thoughts. 
I know. Um, yeah, it came as a little bit of a surprise, actually. I didn't think that he would actually say that he was going this far out. Now, obviously, the lockdown and the kind of uh, pushback of the Olympics and the Euros has had an effect on this. So he's contracted up until uh, summer next year. And at the moment, as far as I can work out, it's not clear whether he's going to be in charge for the Olympic Games. And if he is not, who is going to be in charge of that squad? So the FA have been talking about they want Neville to be involved in the process of picking the next England manager, which is a whole other kettle of fish, um, because they want that person to be in post ready for 2022 and now the, the delayed Euros. But I'm kind of more interested in what's supposed to be happening next summer, i.e. the Olympic Games, Team GB, the FA in England are supposed to be taking the lead on this because England are the ones who qualified from the home nations. Who's going to be in charge of that team? So, um, yes, I guess I'm not surprised that he's going altogether. I mean, the recent run of results has been very poor, even if you're discounting kind of the end of the of last year's World Cup. Even if you just look at the recent run of results in the past kind of six months, it's not been good. There have been too many losses. I mean, he built the She Believes Cup up and said, we want to defend this because we won it last year, wants to defend this. And then it didn't look like they were going to defend it. So it turned into, oh, we're going to try out lots of young players. I don't know. I just don't think the right mentality is there in the squad at the moment. The amount of potential um, that Phil Neville has had with that squad, and it just has not been fulfilled, despite the amount of backroom staff, the amount of support, the amount of... Uh, absolute backing that that squad has had. Um, I I really feel like they've underperformed. And do you think coronavirus and the lockdown and everything, I mean, obviously it'll have an impact. Do you think it, it could even have a positive impact in terms of a resetting of mindsets or? Possibly. I mean, it's difficult to know because that, as you said at the start, everything is just so unknown at the moment. We don't know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Um, in terms of obviously the domestic season continuing, we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, you know, I still have kind of question marks about whether all these things that have been delayed till next year, whether they'll still happen as planned. I mean, the men's Euros happening next summer, will they? If we, if everyone's in lockdown for another six months, will we get the domestic seasons finished? I, d I don't know. I think everything is still kind of, everything's still got a massive question mark over it. So. I think it's a bit difficult to plan too far in the future. But what we do know is that Phil Neville will not be staying at England um, past the end of his contract next summer. Right. So we've been talking about role models. Is there a more sort of high profile role model type job for a coach in this country than the England manager job? Who would you like to see um, in the England manager role if you had to? Ah, uh, now that is... That is a lovely question because you said, who would I want to see, not who I think is going to take it. I would like Emma Hayes to take it. Either Emma Hayes or Laura Harvey, who is currently in the USA uh, working in a job in the US soccer setup. Um, or Mo Marley, who is also involved in the junior age groups in England at the moment. Any of those three I'd be very happy with. Um, I think if it, if it had happened two or three years down the line, I think Casey Stoney would be a shoo-in. Um, but so those would be my choices. I'm not sure any of them will get it. But if I was in charge or had a magic, magic wand to wave, then they are who I would pick. 
I would be more than happy with any of them. If my opinion's relevant in your decision making. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think will get it though, Nat? Um, sorry? Who do you think would get it? I don't but know. I'm from the I, FA's I'm not choosing. trying to guess because every time I try and guess anything in women's football, I get it wrong. So, um, I, yeah, I'm interested to see how it unfolds. I would happily have any of those. I think um, the advantage of Phil Neville was that he had such a high profile in general. And I, I think yeah. there are definite advantages of that. I think um, more of my friends and family that have ever been interested in women's football have been interested, more interested over the last few years. And I, I'm not saying it's entirely to do with Phil Neville, but I think having what is effectively a household name in the England manager job, whether they've come from, you know, from any walk of football, I think has been really good for, for the, the wider knowledge. Um, but I think we can build on that now. I think it, that's not something we necessarily need for the next manager. I think we've, we've had that with Phil Neville and let's see where we go from here. Right? You know, I'm excited to see where we go. But I think, unfortunately, it, it comes down to results. And that's the, the tricky thing always, isn't mm. it? If, Absolutely, yeah. The more, the more good results we have, the, you know, the, the more we will get more fans and, and the, the sport will get, quite rightly, the, the press that it, it should be having. Lovely. Well, um. I think that's probably all we've got time for for today. But it's been lovely chatting to you, and I hope it's been amazing. What we've, uh, what we've talked about, our first ever C Sporty B Sporty podcast. If um, let us know what you think about it. If if you would like to see more of it, we will happily make some more lockdown podcasts. I can't promise any more technology than this right here. This is about the limits of my technological capabilities. <laughs> You're getting that in her spare room with her in laptop. Spare room, because it's the only place <laughs> I thought I wouldn't get a dog and a toddler, but we had the dog anyway. Um, so just before we go, tell everybody where they can buy your books because they're awesome. Okay, um, if you'd like to buy my books, then uh, please check out your local independent bookshop, uh, find out uh, where their website is and ask them to order in The Roar of the Lionesses and The Pride of the Lionesses. And you can follow me on Twitter at Carrie Sparkle. Amazing. We are at Totally Runnable on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I am at NatJackson52 on Twitter. Um, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>